What's up, survivors? Welcome to D180, the horror podcast taking you on a ride. For our fifth and final movie for Bye Bye 2020, we're taking a look at Leon Nails, The Invisible Man. Well, I guess uh, probably won't be looking at it. But anyway, before we start, we have our first guest. And I'm excited about this one because not only did I mention him last week on the podcast, if you hung out with us, but he's also the voice behind our transitions. Everybody, welcome Brian from Brian's World. <laughs> What's up? Tragic. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was a good effort. It was. So, BJ, um, What's up? you're new here. You're our first guest. So you've never done this before, but it's cool. You're okay. gonna we're gonna experiment on you. Gonna be our little horror guinea pig. Like so it. just um, tell everybody your experience with horror. It doesn't have to be like no super big deep dive. And then tell us how you felt about the movie we're about to watch. No spoilers, though. Okay. No so, pressure. So um, I guess we'll start with getting into horror. Honestly speaking, like, it was not my thing. Growing up, right. yo, like, horror throw me off. You know, I, I get scared, like... Well, I don't even know if I get scared. It just makes me really, like, anxious. Like, really? Yeah. Like, so I just didn't really, like, tap into it. But, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. we know each other. Right. Well, okay. <laughs> obviously. Well, not obviously. You guys don't know. BJ and I are dating. But I'm asking Ooh. him these questions as if I don't know him. So, obviously... I know the answers. John, they <laughs> might know some of these answers, but this is for the people. Okay. Well, we'll just say <laughs> I, we'll just say I started dating this this young lady, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, it kind of opened my eyes up to uh, the the storylines and how deep horror can really get. You right. know, so me into horror is new. It's new, y'all. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, something new to me, but. This is this was my second time watching, and uh, I could say that this time around, you know, I kind of took off like the whole, you know, like critic eyes and stuff like that, and I really just enjoyed it, you mm-hmm. know, and um, it, you know, it's a film that um, it's like a it's a remake of mm-hmm. well, is it is it considered a remake? Or? It's a remake, yeah. A remake, okay, remake of an older film, so you know, um, like I had heard about it. Right. From like my parents and stuff. Really? Oh yeah, because it did. Well, not saying they weren't born then. It was born. It was made before they were born. Yeah. 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 But it. But you know, my my parents are into that kind of stuff, so I I heard a mention. But um, yeah. Your dad yeah. is in the horror movies. I forgot all about Pseudo. that. Pseudo. He likes like the classic creatures, like yeah. like what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Our director for The Invisible Man is Leon Neal. He is a Capricorn. He's most known for being, you know, a writing duo with his friend and fellow director, not on this project though, James Wan. And these works would include Saw, Dead Silence, Insidious, and Insidious Chapter Two. But his directorial debut was Insidious Chapter Three. And then he went on to do a movie that you might be familiar with, BJ, mm-hmm. Upgrade. Upgrade. Yeah. yeah. Johnny, have you seen Upgrade? No. If you guys haven't seen it out there as well, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's definitely worth um, it. I don't really know how to describe it without getting into it, but Lee Neal is flexing more of his sci- It's a horror film, but it's more sci-fi horror. 
Ooh, I don't even know what movies to um, compare it to, but one day hopefully we'll do it on the podcast. But a lot of the stuff that he does in that movie transfers to this movie. So it's becoming his little signature style. This movie was also produced by Jason Blum and Kylie Dufresne, written by Lee Winnell, and it was based on characters and concepts created by H.G. Wells for the book Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Are any of you guys familiar with the book? No, I didn't even know that it was a book. Right. So when I saw the synopsis and saw that it was a remake, I was like, oh, they had already had an Invisible Man movie? And it was like, no, they remade a book. Yeah. Oh, it was a book? Yeah, it was a book. Oh, wow. So it was a book first, I think, like, in the 1800s. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And then 1933 was when the movie that our parents are pretty familiar with came out. Mm -hmm. Think about it almost 100 years later this one yeah <laughs> yeah That's like i mean like story. let's like 90 i guess 90 years i'm not yeah don't ask me for math but something like that 1897 is when that book came out wow so he came up with this idea of an invisible man 123 years ago dang that's a good story <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the main cast a little bit. Well, you start with Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss does very well in this movie. So Elizabeth, Elizabeth, if you guys are a little bit familiar with her, she plays June Osborne in The Handmaiden Tale. She's also Kitty in Us, if you guys just seen Jordan Mm -hmm. Peele's newer movie. I forgot all about her in that. I know, and she does amazing in that movie. I'm trying to think, is there anything else I recognize her from? But I don't really think, I think that's enough for Miss Elizabeth. (laughs) Yeah, she did a good job, though. Really good job in the film. And the next person I want to bring up is Aldous Hyde. And let me tell you something. When I first seen this movie, I didn't recognize him. I recognized him from Straight Outta Compton as MC Ren, but I didn't realize this was also um, Leanne's brother from Girlfriends. Mm-hmm. The original. The way he looks in Girlfriends compared to how he looks in this movie? I don't know. Did you see him in Underground? Woo, girl. I didn't. Is he in that one as well? Yeah, he was in Underground. He was um Journey Smollett's other <laughs> other half, basically. I don't know if you guys heard BJ in the background, <laughs> but I just totally forgot about, you know. James' character in this movie, he just kind of felt left out of the conversation. But it's perfectly fine. Okay. (laughs) I guess I go to the little men's room. (laughs) (laughs) The next person I want to bring up is Storm Reed, and she plays Sydney. Now, Storm, you might have seen her in Euphoria. You also might have seen her in A Wrinkle in Time as Meg. The last person I want to bring up, hmm, yeah, the last person I want to bring up is Oliver Jackson Cohen, who actually played Adrian. Did you like his acting? Or are you familiar with him? Yes, I love him so much. Where's he from? Tell me. Mm-hmm. He's in The Haunting of Hill House. And mm-hmm. then he's also in the next one that they had, the next installation, the, ha- the Haunting of Bly Manor. But he has this way of playing broken people so well. Really? And crazy people so well. Really? So in Haunting of Hill House, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Go ahead. Go. His character... <laughs> Is addicted to drugs mm-hmm. and he's broken and mm-hmm. he sees ghosts he plays that part so well and in what is the bly manor he is basically crazy and broken 
and a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he plays a broken person so well. You know how some people just play crazy so well? Yeah. He just plays broken so Like Sarah well. Paulson? Yes. And just like how um the girl from You, mm-hmm. how she plays crazy so well. She plays crazy. We need to figure out what her name is. Every show we say, the girl from You, love. I don't, love. I don't remember her name either. And she was in The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. But she mm-hmm. plays crazy so well in both of those but I love him. He's so great. Mm, sounds like a new show we might have to get into a little bit later. Did you like him in, in this, Johnny? I did. Okay. Ooh, I, did. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. Okay, before okay. we talk about it, originally this movie was meant to be part of the Universal Monsters movie. You know, at this point, everybody wanted a universe. This was right after what the, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know this world, the Marvel Universe. Okay. Yeah. And funny that you bring up Marvel because I just decided to go down a Marvel rabbit hole since mm-hmm. I got home from Charleston. Mm-hmm. Like I started watching WandaVision and I was confused. So I went back and decided to watch all of the Marvel movies in timeline order. I don't know why I deprived myself so long. On Marvel? Yes. I watched the first Avengers. I watched all the Iron Mans, but I didn't really care after that. And then I watched mm-hmm. Black Panther and I watched Endgame. But like I missed all the other movies that came out in between those. Right. Mm. But now that I've gone back and watched it, I'm like, why did I deprive myself of this greatness? <laughs> <laughs> so for this universe, this would involve the mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. and the Wolfman, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. These would have been played by Javier Barden, Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man, Sophia Botella as the Mummy, Russell Crowe as, you know, Dr. Jekyll, mm-hmm. Mr. Hyde, and Tom Cruise as Nick Morton, who is in The Mummy. But the latter two, if you guys have seen, like, the picture, the official picture they put out for this, mm. if you guys get a chance to see the picture, just look at the Photoshop, because I want to bet money that they weren't together in the studio. If they were, I don't know. It might have been some DCC, Dallas Cowboy cheerleader <laughs> stuff, and they added a box, because there's no way that Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe are the same height. Yeah, I don't think I've ever thought about it. Somebody brought it up, and I've been staring at this picture, and I'm like, they're really the same height in this photo. Doesn't matter. The movie The Mummy was the first one to be released, and it plummeted in the box office. It did terrible in the box office. And I didn't even watch it, honestly, for the simple fact that the original Mummy series, Mm -hmm. the the last one that they did, that was a shit show, but... The original two were my favorite movies ever. And yeah. I didn't like the fact that they were creating a new mummy. Yeah. And so I didn't watch it. And then once everyone said it sucked, I was glad I didn't watch it. So I have a question for you. Are you one of those people when there's a new version, like a remake, kind of like how we're talking about today? Are you one of those people, like, for example, when, Hall- when Rob Zombie redid Halloween, were you upset? about it or were you just like I'll give it a chance I don't think I've seen it oh you haven't seen it I'm not 100% sure well okay even if you haven't seen it when you heard that he was remaking it how did you feel I guess is what I should have asked well you should have asked about Spider-Man because you know I haven't re-watched the new Spider-Man I only claim uh Tobey Maguire Wow, for real? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, okay, so remember I said I'm watching the Marvel movies in order. I'm currently on Captain America Civil War, so I haven't even reached Spider-Man yet. Okay. 
So we'll see how I feel after I watch it. But I didn't watch any of the Spider-Man, the new ones. <laughs> so, but with horror, it's a little different. Like I'm okay with remakes with horror movies and sometimes normal movies too. It just depends on what it is. Yeah, now, Spider-Man. I, I was like, you just leave Toby alone. But you know, the Mummy. I wasn't too happy about that. So this one in particular, it cost about $350 million to make, including production and marketing. When it ended its theater run, it only made $80.2 million domestic and $409.2 million worldwide. Basically, that's not cutting it at all. And then you said how much they spent? Okay. $350 million, mm-hmm. and they only got $409.2 million yeah. back. Like that, they barely passed <laughs> it. Like, like that any plans that they have or any other movies that's that's out that's it yeah that's uh -uh, that's out well anyway i think we've done enough background on this movie bj what we like to do here okay we like to head to the queue line cue me up oh you oh johnny he ready (laughs) okay well come on come on you do you do you want to introduce yourself you want to let your transition do it Howdy, survivors. Please keep your tips and limbs inside the vehicle and remain seated at all times. Hang on to your personal belongings, especially your minds and spines. Because this here is a wild ride. So for tonight's show, I actually have two games, all right? We can't play one of them. We kind of can, but we can't play one of them. You guys at home can play. If you decide to watch this movie after the podcast or before, well, I guess no after will work. When you watch the movie, this is a drinking game or whatever. Oh, you are. Let me go get my uh, my glass of wine then. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> she ready, yo. <laughs> she out. <laughs> hey, yo. She out. <laughs> we'll stay here, though. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and finish, and then I'll go get it. And then we can play. Sounds like a fun game, huh? (laughs) I was saying, I don't know if you guys can play it while we're doing the podcast, but if you watch the movie afterward, take a drink every time you see the Nike logo. Because this movie, I don't know who had had the contract, but somebody had a check with Nike because the way... yeah. We was getting these close-ups was ridiculous. But anyway, that's game number one. Game number two is for BJ and John A. And I mean, you guys, you know, at home, you guys can answer on our IG page. That's D180 Podcast. We'll post this about, you know, Saturday morning after this drop. So you can go ahead and get on the conversation there. So my question for you guys is, and BJ, since you're our guest, excuse me, you can go first. I'm in. Adrian is the founder of an optics company, right? Yeah. And he gives you guys a suit. Now, only you three know that you have this suit. Adrian can care less what you're going to be doing with it afterwards. So take him out of the equation. What would you do if you had the invisible suit? If I had the invisible suit? hmm Oh, man. I think that... Um... <laughs> Go ahead. Give me a full day if you want. Any type a of full day? answer. If you want, you don't have to. You can give me one thing if you want. Okay. I, well, fine. But since it's a full day, I know in the morning time, I'm going to go to one of the NFL stadiums. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to just 
run on the field for like an hour and a half. Invisible or not invisible? Man, I don't even care. I guess <laughs> <laughs> I guess invisible. So, um, yeah, that way, you know, nobody can kick me out. So that's that's cool. Um, and then I think I would leave there and like go to the mall mm-hmm. and just walk in circles and get free samples. <laughs> from the restaurants just keep taking them <laughs> and nobody ever see me and then like a little kid is probably gonna see like just a piece of chicken floating <laughs> and a little kid I'm like what in the world um <laughs> but yeah that's what i would do for lunch and then i don't know like i don't know how I would, and honestly i think i would end the night at the airport. I knew you was gonna say that. Yes. <laughs> at, the, at the airport on the runway, like just what like and I mean dangerously close to. But I mean, who cares? I'm invisible. But like really close, like when the planes <laughs> land, and I just sit there for, till I fall asleep. Then I pass the suit to John A. Okay, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because apparently, yes, these suits got to be one size fits all. Like, they have to oh. be. We'll talk about it later. Okay. But, John A? <laughs> um, I have no idea. Because, <laughs> baby, I had to rethink my answer. I mean, I wasn't going to give y'all one, but. I literally have no idea. Like, no clue. It's just because there's so much power. Like, just instantly. It's just like, wow, you're invisible. So much to think about in that moment. Well, like I said, you guys at home can join in on the fun on our new IG page, D180 Podcast. But in the meantime, we're about to buckle up, Buttercup, because we're about to take you on the ride that is Lewan Nails 2020, The Invisible Man. Let's go. I see attorney representing Adrian's trust. I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia. Although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? Open the door! What happened to him? He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. He can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you. Hello? I'm scared. You don't have to be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. I found something that can prove what I'm experiencing. You need help. Adrian is dead. I went to his house today. He's not dead. I have a pile of ashes in the box that would disagree with you. He has figured out a way to be invisible. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. 
Adrian's true genius was how he got in people's heads. Don't come any closer. Hey! I'm not crazy. Please listen to me. You're saying the person trying to kill you is in the room right now. But we can't see him? Is he listening? Where are you? All right, survivors. So at this point, if you haven't been here before, we're about to spoil this whole thing. So if you have not seen the movie, please go watch the movie. Exit the ride. Take your hands and limbs, tips, all that out the ride. Go watch the movie. Come back. We'll still be here. And we can talk about it. There are two trailers that I saw for this movie. John A., did you happen to catch the trailers for this one? See, now I've gotten to the habit of not watching them. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about this. That's on you, sis. I know. So the two trailers that I happen to catch, um, the first one, I want to go back because I didn't really even talk about how I stumbled across this movie. I stumbled across this movie actually around this time last year, I want to say. This mm-hmm. was obviously before shutdown. This movie actually was able to go into theaters. And believe it or not, I want to say I saw the Super Bowl ad. I want to say we were in our living room and the Super Bowl ad came on. And I immediately talked about how I didn't know if I was going to like this movie because the trailer I saw seemed to me as if they were going to give everything away. Mm-hmm. And it. No, go ahead, it, go it ahead. It did seem like that, but I think the trailer just couldn't, it could never capture what was really about to happen. Exactly, yeah, I like agree. Like emotionally and like anxiety and all of that. Like, mm-hmm. There was no way to really prepare you for that. So as I said, there's two. The first one, and you've heard one of these, I just don't know which one I'm going to pick before I edit, so... Whichever one played, that's the one you heard, but I'm going to talk about both. (laughs) In the first one, C is describing Adrian as an abusive sociopath, and then she receives the news about Adrian's suicide. And the rest of the clips are, you know, little cuts and things from the movie. I'm not going to say what they are. It shows you some scenes, but they're very out of context. You don't know what's going on, but they do show you. Both trailers show the reveal at the midpoint of the movie. This is spoiler territory. They don't show you that it's two people in the suit, but they show you like the attic scare. The second trailer starts with Tom reading Adrian's final letter and wishes to see an Emily. And then the rest of computer, I mean the rest of the computer, excuse me, the rest of the commercial plays off like C is confused. Like why is all of this happening? More like a, yeah it made it look like she was losing it more maybe maybe the dude doesn't really exist yeah maybe she is making this up so they really do do a good job but as i said when i first seen them i just wasn't sure what i was getting into and we found out that we had it available we was just like okay well you know whatever let's watch it and it is a ride let's start off with this code open we know our title card basically is a reveal of another reveal we'll get later but we'll talk about it Living in my beautiful Sims created house. <laughs> no, this really looks like a house that I often create on the Sims. Everything's a square. It's always the big windows. 
always the modern furniture. That's the vibe. I'm a witness to that. <laughs> I've seen it before. Cece wakes up beginning her escape, pulling diazepam from the bed. She heads over to the sink with the obviously laced drink. This is why Adrian is slumped. Mm -hmm. After altering the cameras and loudly crashing into Zeus's doggy bowl, Cece makes it to the lab where she disables all the other cameras. Almost out, Zeus whines to come with her and not being able to take him, she at least removes his electric shock collar. Yeah. This backfires. Man, <laughs> I was like, oh, he was just trying to be a good doggy, mm -hmm. but he booty bumps the car and the yeah. alarm goes off. Cece takes off into the night, up and over the wall, more Nike product placement. I'm a try I tried to note the places so and I put a shoe in my note. So if you playing on the podcast and not watching the movie, I'ma try to hook y'all up with the game. I'ma try. So waiting for what seems like ever on an empty road, C's sister Emily finally arrives and she's asking 1001 questions and not driving off like she needs to forever. Until until Adrian comes out the woodwork and shatters that glass. That's when she finally pulls off. Before she pulls off, we note that Cece drops her diazepam. Adrian picks it up, standing in the middle of the road. We cut to two weeks later. But before we cut, I do want to make a note of things. As you guys know here at D180, I'm always pointing out that I find out or see in the background and notice. That's just what we do here. My first one is the computers in the lab have a hexagon pattern as their wallpaper. It's the same hexagon pattern that's the invisible suit. Mm, yeah. I did not catch that. This will pop up later. So hold that thought. The house that they're in, when you think about it, when you think about the movie as a whole, Adrian is a sociopath. He's abusive mentally, verbally, physically, emotionally. He has her caged in the house by even putting her in a bigger wall around the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, oh and God. when you think about the cameras, like, when she was turning the camera towards him to watch him, and when she was disabling them, when you look at the view of the cameras, they're all in the house. Mm -hmm. None of them are outside. So he's watching her. That's scary. Yeah, like, that just, it's like, um, this movie does a very good job, and I'm going to try my hardest to not repeat myself. This movie does a very good job of telling you what it needs to tell you without verbally telling you. But it's only, I guess, if you look for it or if you're really paying attention. Because I can honestly, I can honestly say, excuse me, the first time I watched this movie, I wasn't catching all of this. At this point, I've seen this movie about five times. Yeah. So I'm really like having different points of views every time I watch it. But anyway. Oh, last thing. Even when you look at the design of the house, it doesn't even look like a woman lives there. Oh, really? Like when you think about, okay, now I know I said I like the modern design. John A., I don't know what your personal style is, but what I mean, and John A. can probably weigh in on this. If I go to a male's house within maybe five or 10 minutes, I could tell if a female lives there. Am I not lying, John A.? Yeah, it's true. You could tell if a female lives somewhere within. Our house, like for example. I could see like a younger couple. But it, I'm okay. Maybe John A understands what I'm saying because she's a female. Yeah, it's just like that. the design. <laughs> when you look at like the design of the house and how things look, it just looks very cold and dry. Like it doesn't look like there's any woman's touch in there. Okay. And maybe the next time you watch it, maybe 
you can see that. Because, I mean, it's not like we're in that gorgeous house for too long before we jumped to two weeks. It's just big and empty. There we go. That's the <laughs> word I was probably looking for. The other thing that I don't like about movies where there's abuse happening is that why everyone want to get dressed before they leave the house? Leave the house, then get dressed. <laughs> Y'all just wasted. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. She but really she was in lingerie, be. though. And then, you know, she had to climb that wall. Uh-uh. You know, slide in that silk. I've climbed walls in bikinis. <laughs> Wait a minute. That sounds wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, what, what exactly did she put on? Like, I'm, she puts her on her sweat, outfit. and then she puts on her college um, sweatshirt right. and sweatpants. It starts with a C. It's, she's the architect. Oh, Say it Cal one more time. Cal Poly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, I mean, I guess maybe her slide into some sweats or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, it's three in the morning. You see they stay by the ocean. It's cold. It happened in enough. She wasted all her time putting on her clothes. Okay, now you know what? We're not going to start on (laughs) J-Lo. Let's leave her out of this. It's quite a few few movies where the women are trying to escape in the middle of the night. They waste the time putting on their clothes, and by the time they put on their clothes and about to get out, the dude wake up. Let me ask y'all this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all stopping for the dog? No, I would have left the dog. Oh, you wasn't gonna take that shot collar off? No, he I probably would have. Really? I don't know. See, my well, okay, doing it like that, obviously, and having to jump over a wall. I'm not throwing my dog over a wall, so that will automatically be like, yeah, I have to leave my dog here. Like the dog would have to be really, really good. Like. Well trained. Well, I mean, if it was Bruno, I would throw him over the wall. But. I'm not throwing my dog <laughs> over the wall because I'm not like, what if I just happen to break my dog? Leo, I, I gotta worry about that because Bruno is so small. I'll probably put him in a backpack and put the backpack on my back. Bruno's little, but this dog ain't no backpack dog. Mm-hmm. This ain't even a double bag dog. Mm-mm. <laughs> I wonder what would have happened if she didn't do anything with the dog. Like she she would have got further. Yeah. That's all. She just would have got further. She still probably would have been waiting on Emily. Two weeks still would have happened. Yeah, it still would have happened. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of two weeks, she is staying with James, who is a family friend that I, I was trying to, the first time I figured it out, I mean, first time I watched it, I was trying to figure out, was he like, was this like Emily's man or something? Cause Sydney, oh, no, man. Like to let somebody's sister stay with you? Yeah, I was just trying to, but it's literally just a family friend. And it makes sense because Adrian has no idea where this man leaves. Suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, James is trying to help C regain some of her control by having her perform simple tasks like getting the mail from the mailbox. But she's so shaken that she can't even do that. She goes out to the mailbox. And this scene reminds me of Nightmare on Elm Street, the very end scene when Nancy comes out and it's like a brand new day and everything's super, super white. That's just me. Anyway, she goes out to the mailbox and she's shaking when a runner comes by. Now I want to ask you guys, knowing what we know, do you guys think that was just a runner or do you think that was one I of was them? asking that. No, it looked like him. It, it did for a while and then i looked at it again and i was like no nah, i don't think i don't think him. it's him if i did i would have thought that it would might have been tom and not adrian like this might be detail but do y'all yeah. do y'all think that the height was was off see i'm going if i when i ask that question i will compare it to um me seeing adrian run in that first scene the strut does look similar 
But there's some part of me that just believes that Lewan Neal is like, okay, I don't have to beat them over the head. So no, this is just a regular runner. So maybe it's Tom. But that's what I said. It might be Tom. Oh, okay. If it is any, I can see it being Tom. Like, oh yeah, this is where she's staying. And that's how we found out. And that's mm-hmm. how I was able to send her the letter. After this, we get a scene of really how deep her trauma is. So check this out. While James is in the background fiddling with this old broken ladder, C is looking up on her computer if people can like hack you from inside your camera. And because of that, she goes the extra mile by covering her cameras with nail polish. At some point, Emily comes by receiving a cold reception from Cece as she only came to tell Cece that Adrian is dead by suicide. Why was she so mean? I think, now this is just my theory. And because a lot of people say like they wish that they would have went more into the sister's relationship or they didn't understand like their relationship. It's pretty simple. If you're, if you've ever been in a relationship that's that kind of abusive and you're isolated from people, you're probably not going to have the best relationship with certain people. And it's probably just awkward. I don't know how long they said she was in a relationship. I don't really think it was too, too long. But if somebody's keeping you isolated from people and telling you you can't talk to people or blah, blah, blah. And then we don't know what Adrian was doing to Emily. Yeah. Like, you know, I kind of do like that we came in the middle of things, too. I don't I like that we didn't have to see Adrian treating her like crap or anything. We just literally came in knowing she had to get out. And this is what we're dealing with now. So we learned from the article on Emily's phone that Adrian is a tech entrepreneur and is the founder of the optics company Cobalt, which, little Easter egg, is the same company from Upgrade. Mm. (laughs) After this, C, James, and Emily sit at the table while C tells them about Adrian being a sociopath, controlling everything she does, what she thought, what she ate, what she wore, and even tells them about trigger warning times that he would rape her Mm. to prevent getting pregnant she started to take birth control pills in secret but realized she couldn't do it any longer and at that point is when she called emily and james for help feeling some sense of a new start c starts to get some confidence and finally goes out to get the mail and there's mail for her Mm -hmm. but no one knows where she is though but the letters from adrian's estate His brother Tom, as appointed attorney, lets her know via prepared statement that Cece will basically be receiving $5 million from Adrian, income Mm tax-free. She's going to be receiving, I can't remember, but it's like a certain amount. Yeah. Yes, for the next four years. There's a part in this scene that's kind of creepy. Oh, wait. So what I put a note when she got that mail at the house. My all right off the bat, I was like, "That's suspicious." No one knew you're there. How you get mail? I don't trust it. Right, right. And I think the envelope looked a little weird, but I can't like remember it one hundred percent. Like I just felt like it wasn't a real piece of mail. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like somebody just folded something over. You know what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. That might have been after he like opened it or something. Or you talking okay. about the front of the envelope? Like the whole packaging. Like it just mm-hmm. didn't look like a real letter. But I could be true. In this scene with Tom meeting up with Emily and C. Whoa. This happened every show. What? I swear it happened every show. Oh my show. God. That every has to show. Stay. That has to stay. 
okay, since he said it has to stay, it stays. That's fire. <laughs> we always delete all the other ones. Okay, I'll keep on me. All right. Driving, like, what rule. happened? <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, there's a part where Emily says something like, if there were any chance we would be physically close to Adrian, we wouldn't be here. And Tom goes, well, um, he's in that urn over there. First of all, that's a nice ass urn. I don't know if you guys paid attention, yeah. but that was a nice ass urn. My point is, there's a lot of money in this family. Or Adrian has like buku amounts of yeah. money, okay? But I'm pretty sure like the optics field is very lucrative too. So it has to be. Did you yeah. see that laugh? Yeah. So okay. I mean the money, yeah. You look like Tony Stark's laugh. I wouldn't be surprised if it all came from him. The whole family, like the whole family dollars. Probably. With her newfound fortune, Cece decides to give James and Sydney with a new ladder and a bank account with enough to pay for her tuition to Parsons Fashion School. I really like this part of the movie. Their relationship is cute. Feels real. Very fit. Yeah, it's not too forced. Not too forced. But in the midst of them having, you know, their little moment, the camera backs out into the hallway into like the next living area. I guess whatever part of the house it was and at first when i first watched the movie i was like okay this is odd why are we here but we realized that whenever the camera does that and this is the first time it's training us to learn that that's somebody else that's like adrian standing there that's a whole yeah like he's just watching them and that's pretty creepy when you think about it that that changed the whole movie Mm -hmm. and see with me coming in already seeing a mukbang of the whole entire plot of the movie, I picked that up right away. Wow. That every time that the the screen panned out like that, dude was standing there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the next scene, we get a little more of this because she is putting away her clothes. You know, she had to go on a little shopping spree to get some money like that. Yeah. <laughs> Turn <it> up. <laughs> you got to. But another thing, if you watch the movie a little bit more, and I don't know if you two heard it, do you guys hear a faint, like, clicking noise in that scene? No, I didn't catch on to that. No? So mm-hmm. ca- check this out. Like I said, all spoilers is on the table, so we're going to say what we say. Lay them out. Adrian's in the room with her. When she's moving is when you hear the clicking sounds because that's the camera readjusting to her movement. Because, mm. you know, the suit is filled... I'll talk about it later, but the suit is made up of cameras. Cameras. And it's camera clicking sounds, but it's like really subtle. But once you know what sound you hear and you watch the movie again, you're going to always hear it. Yeah, I know it's pretty cool. That's why I said watching. Another thing I like about this movie, and I don't care. I know I'm supposed to hold this to the end. You can rewatch this movie. I've seen it. Like I said, this is probably my fifth or sixth time rewatching it. And it came out last year. (laughs) Like, willingly watch this movie just because it's that good. Dang, that's crazy. So his invisible suit, you still could hear it. Like, it wasn't an obvious noise. It's just like, okay, like when your heater starts up in your house and it's like that little one click that you just (laughs) learn to hear over time. Y'all know exactly what click I'm talking about. Like, at first you don't be, at first you hear it all the time because it's loud. But then after a while that you've been in your house, you don't even notice it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 <laughs> well anyway <laughs> the next morning while cooking breakfast james asks c to wake up sydney to you know get her ready for school mm-hmm. 
as seed goes to do that. Bro was all over too. <laughs> yeah, he was trying to play it off like he wasn't. But anyway, when C leaves the kitchen, we immediately see. And first of all, let me set up the shot. It's a wide scene of the kitchen, and the entire scene is just a wide shot. It never breaks to any of the characters' faces. It never cuts to another view. Like, it stays here the whole time. And if you watch Paranormal Activity, you already know when they do something like this, you just got to watch everywhere looking for something. You know something is about to happen. So we see that she leaves out the room, and the knife starts, like, just wigging out. Now, if you're not paying attention, you probably think that she might have just like knocked it or something. But when you pay attention, it starts doing this way after she leaves. Like she cleared the counter by the time it left. So somebody grabs the knife and you don't hear it hit the ground. So this is how you also know something grab it. And Adrian turns up the gas on the stove, causing a fire. Sydney and C come out and C almost fucked up the whole house by putting the water on it, but luckily Sydney was there and got the fire extinguished it. So I don't know what it is about people wanting to put water on fire. My dad wanted to do that. Oh man! Oh no! I'm glad he did. Oh no! Right? Because I accidentally I was making a glaze for a rum cake, and when I turned off the burner to put the alcohol in, um, I turned the burner back on, but it didn't ignite so all the gas was coming out but it never lit up so when it finally lit up all the gas was around the pan so Mm -hmm. the the flame actually went inside the pan and now i had a hole fire on the stove and i was like um dad uh we don't have a fire extinguisher so what am i supposed to do and the fire is just burning yeah (laughs) And then he was like, um, put some water in it. I'm like, uh, I don't think that you're supposed to put water on it. Um, so then he was like, all right, let's stir it. And I, then he stirred it. And I'm like, dad, you weren't supposed to stir it. Cause you know, you put in air and fire and oxygen only makes fires flame higher. <laughs> so then I ended up covering the pot. But yeah, that was it. Yeah. And it went out. Oh, <laughs> but like, oh my gosh, I was so calm. He was like, wow, you were really calm in that situation. I said, what was freaking out going to do? I wouldn't have gotten my answer. No, I had to be honest. I need at least like 0.3 seconds of freak out. Just at <laughs> least. <laughs> Just Before we move on, I do want to point out, um, Lee Nail says that this was one of the scenes that made him almost not want to do the movie anymore. Really? Yeah, so Why? check this out. When... Adrian grabs the knife off the counter. This was one of the first scenes that they use. If you've seen the behind the scenes, you know that the invisible man is a green man. Yeah. So when they taped the scene, they really had a man in a green suit. I don't think this was Adrian. I think it was a stunt double. They had him under the counter and just literally had him reach his arm up and grab the knife. But when they said action, he can't see what he's doing. So he's just reaching up and just patting all over the counter. And Levi Nail says he looks everywhere at the cast and everybody's trying so hard not to laugh. And still the entire time, the guy's trying to find the knife and he finally finds it and pull it down. And Levi Nail yells, cutting the entire set erupts into laughter. And he's like, oh, this is the dumbest shit I have done. It's wow. stupid. But he said he just kept going because he was like, he knew that we could edit it in post. And he was glad that it turned out how it, how it did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very sick. That's 
Yeah, I'm like pretty much an iconic part of the film. Yeah, I'm like that part, like you know, it got me for me. And was it in both trailers? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it was just in the second one that we watched. Yeah, the one with Tom's intro. Later on that evening, sees in her room, and before we get to her room, we get a trailing shot leading to her room. The first time we rewatched this for the show. We heard footsteps leading to her room that we never heard before. And we have a pretty good sound system, so we're pretty <laughs> quick to hear stuff. Like, you know, humble brag, but just saying, like, normally we hear things like that. So we hear footsteps leading the C's room. She hears it, walks out into the living room, and while she's, you know, scoping the scene, the front door opens. She goes outside, which Johnny hates. She goes outside Uh-oh. to check... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely wrote that. Down. I wrote that too. Yeah, yeah, like her going outside. No, she hates when I don't like in the scary movies when they go outside. Like, what is wrong with y'all? Mm-hmm. If the door is open, why would you go out there and look? That is a bit of a letdown. She does have a point, y'all. Yeah. So when she does she go outside, she actually goes out into the porch. And I love, I adore this part because they show you one way in the trailer, but it's absolutely different in the actual movie in the movie while she's standing outside there's no musical cue it's nothing it's just literally the quiet of outside so crickets Mm. all that she's breathing we can see her breath all of a sudden we just see breath end up behind her we don't hear it there's no crash there's no violin sting there's nothing and then she goes back in the house in the trailer I think there's a music cue, and I also think we can hear him breathing behind her, like on some Michael Myers stuff. Yeah, you know, I was paying attention at this point. Yeah, I like that shot with the breath. You do? Because it's just like... I thought it was James. Yeah, it's just like he's that close to her. (sighs) And this whole time... She don't know what's going on. Exactly. She's just <laughs> trying to figure it out. She knows something, but yeah. she just can't figure it out. She has no clue what just happened. Later that night, while in bed, Adrian decides to have some fun in his suit. He removes the covers off of C and Sydney and proceeds to take photos of them. I don't know whose phone he had. Oh, that was Which his I phone. Never know. mind. Well, maybe it's different for y'all, but I just didn't understand this part. Like just taking the pictures. Like it just was he just messing with them or the point yeah basically like saying i can do this like this is how close i can get to you it's all about control basically Mm -hmm. so in the room and one thing i liked about and once again lee wanell does such a good job at tying things in and i'm gonna bring some more stuff up later him making sydney a fashion student gives her reason to have mannequins everywhere in her room Mm -hmm. And one of the mannequins, when C wakes up, obviously she can't see Adrian, but she sees the mannequin. And the mannequin is supposed to be a homage to the 1930s Invisible mm-hmm. Man, which is pretty cool. But it's like, it's not forced. Like, obviously she would have that in her room. Right. It makes a lot of sense. Right. So anyway, C's up at this point and she knows like something isn't right. I think one of the flashes from one of the pictures woke her up. She's looking at this chair that's in the corner. And to us, to me, every time I look at it, it looks like somebody's sitting in it. Like, I don't know if it's the lighting in the room. It just looks like somebody's sitting there. 
picking up the covers off the floor, getting ready to put them back. Adrian gets bold and decides to step on the covers and then steps forward and yanks them from her. Freaking out, she starts calling James. James comes in with his triceps and big arm muscles trying to like, you know, I guess, diffuse the situation. He was still asleep, to be honest with you. He was like, girl, what? Pretty much. But then my girl, Sydney, came and clutched with the mace. And he was like, who are you going to spray see it? Who? <laughs> she was like, you gave it to me. That was like a very sincere father-daughter moment. Yeah, because I can literally that see me doing something like that. And my dad just being like, Chunky, what? <laughs> Listen, she was in the right as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's ready to go. The next day at a job interview with another man from Upgrade. From Upgrade yeah. yeah, he plays yeah. Fisk, so he plays the villain. I actually saw him today when I, re- when I looked at Upgrade again. Really? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, man. And it's crazy seeing him in this role because, yeah, he's pretty much a sleaze in this role. He's sexually sizing Cecilia up. Cece says something about how she studied abroad and, like, her place of living was, like, a closet space. And then he makes a remark about how he started this entire company she's interviewing for in a closet and goes, well, I guess we both value closet space, huh? What? (laughs) At an interview? It was very forward. Very forward. So, you know, dodging these bullets, she opens her portfolio and it's empty. There is nothing in there. And that has to be... You just feel bad. Ooh, for her, you know? yes, you feel but like for all of this, like it's just like because she's probably going nuts, thinking like I know I put this up in here, like mm-hmm. I'm sure, and now it's just gone. Yeah. And we get another little upgrade moment when she gets up and she gets ready to faint. This is where the camera gets the face motion grab, and we follow her to the floor, and it is mm-hmm. beautiful at the hospital. We get another Invisible Man homage, the guy that's wrapped up in all the bandages. Once again, very subtle, didn't have to do too much. We just see it. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, that's cool too. We find out that C has been getting drugged, just like she was drugging Adrian Mm -hmm. in the beginning. He turned around and started drugging her with the same diazepam that she dropped. He lets her know this by after she takes a shower, she gets a call from the doctor telling her this. She goes back into the bathroom and the bottle is there. It's right there with the blood on it, I think, right? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. all of that. And at the end of that phone call, too, the doctor was trying to say something else. Yeah, do you think he was trying to tell yeah. her? You think? Yes. Oh, what? Okay, yeah. we'll talk. If, we'll if we'll that get pops there. pops up in somebody's blood work, yeah, you gotta let him know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was the case, too, because normally when you go and have work done not work done but like when they they normally tell you all the stuff that pops up in your blood so i agree with uh bj they were definitely trying to tell her that she was pregnant but zoned out yeah yeah did she hang up or she dropped the phone i think she zoned out because that i think that freaked her out Cece and James meet with tom to address her knowing that adrian is doing something she don't know what but something ain't right she confirms this by repeating a light threat that he told her, saying, basically, I could come up to you when you want, honey. You won't, you won't even know I'm there. That's scary. Yeah. 
And in the scene, she had just looked crazy. Like you know how some people just look crazy. She just looked. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. She was she was close to that edge, y'all. Like she was getting close to it. Yeah. Like she really was going going nuts right now. Yeah. She also tries to drive her point further by presenting that by presenting the diazepam bottle and. Tom is like, okay, you lost a bottle. Mm-hmm. You found a bottle. James is even like, uh, mm, okay. But again, she's going off the edge. Or she's just trying to. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think she realized how she sound for real in that moment. Yeah. Because I would have at least polished that up a little bit or found some way to, if I'm going to present it, I'm going to present it right. Something. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, a podcast I bring up often, James A. Janice from Dead Meat, he brings up an interesting point that comes in a little bit later about evidence. I'm going to point it out later, but just hold on to that for me. Tom remains, Adrian is a manipulative genius. Like he comes for knowing people's weaknesses. Like if he knows this, he's going to use it to his advantage. Proceeding to admit his feelings toward his brother, like saying like, yeah, I hated him too. Like he used to abuse me and all of that. He shows CeCe pictures of the apparent suicide. Apparently, Adrian slit his wrist. Man. Go ahead. Conveniently cremated, no body, no proof. Pictures can be staged. Mm -hmm. Nothing at all. And see, that's what I'm, my thing is, I just think it's because they got money that they could do this. That's really like, people try to say like, well, how did they da-da-da and da-da-da-da-da. He got money. Yep. But then the other thing that got me was like, okay, so he died. You were living with him. No one's going to offer to let you see the body before they just conveniently cremated him. Mm. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're Especially right. if I've been in a relationship with you for X amount of years. You're just going to cremate wow. him before I get a chance to say goodbye? It's Early like... Away, that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then it's like they not married. That's just my girlfriend. I thought they were married. I do think that. Didn't somebody say something about them being married at one point in the movie? Mm-mm. They wasn't married. It was just boyfriend, girlfriend. This is what he wants, but they're not married. They're just dating, which is even crazier. Like, this ain't even your wife. This is just mm. your girlfriend. That's crazy. Cece arrives over to Emily's, and there's a mishap about a fake email that apparently Cece wrote that tells Emily that She's a hassle. She doesn't want to see her. She wished that it was her Mm. that died instead of Adrian. Mm. And the first thing that passes my mind is you're telling me she can't say, well, she does say what email, but she can't just say like, can you show me this email? No, I didn't write that. But we go home with C and we see that Adrian, well, we know how, got into her computer, hacked her stuff type this long extensive hurtful email very detailed i was like dang it's from cc's email so yeah. she really can't like she told emily that adrian did it but obviously if you say a dead man did it everyone's gonna look at you like mm-hmm. like you're going crazy exactly right here i want to cut real quick there's a deleted scene that i found i've never seen it before i'm kind of mad they cut it out before we cut in to Cece having her little, you know, cry time on the ground and Sydney walks in, mm-hmm. there's a scene between James and Sydney. And, you know, they're just having the father-daughter moment. And I think she's, like, talking about um, Parsons. And James tells her that you are beautiful, you are black, mm-hmm. you are high fashion, you got this. 
Dang. And I'm so pissed they cut that. I'm like, what? Like, I don't know what made them cut it, but it was just so beautiful to see that. And he, like, gives her a hug. And they hear Cece crying. And that's when C- when Sydney, excuse me, walks back there to say, let's have a girls' night. And I'm like, why did you cut that? Like, ah, it I was such... to see that. I'll show it to you later. Um, it's, oh, it's a great scene. It's out there on YouTube if you guys want to find it. Why it do is. you think they cut it, though? I don't scared. know. I'm like, because, okay, this came out February 27th on my mama's birthday. And even before then, because obviously the movie had to be cut and finished probably by what, like Thanksgiving? Or maybe even before that. We started, we were seeing this, like, Super Bowl, the ads for it. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think like, it affected the storyline? No, not at all, because it was just a line. Yeah, like, I don't think that affected the storyline. Yeah, like not at all. And then I was trying to think, like, was there anything going on at the time that might have made them like, ooh, let's not do this? But no, yeah, like, yeah, that didn't happen. Really. Yeah, yeah, like none of nothing that happened, you know, later twenty twenty had happened. Obviously, when this movie was filmed, right. so oh, I don't know. But it's just such a good. It's so good. But anyway. Sydney suggests to see that they should have like a girls' night. They should tell their dad, well, Sydney's dad, to bounce out so they can have their little time, which is what you should not do. But anyway, agreeing to this and getting ready to go somehow in a whirlwind, Sydney gets bopped mm-hmm. out of nowhere and immediately says that C did it. And when you watch it, we all see like clearly. Yeah, I don't even think she was. She was nowhere near her. Yeah, like no, like at all. And but from Sydney's perspective, who else would it be? Yeah, and then everything <laughs> happened so fast. But I was just like, yeah. first of all, Adrian sucker punched the shit out of a kid. Yes, no so boundaries at all, none. Damn. And that just like the stakes, and that's what I like. Like the movie's obviously not gory. But the stakes is just like, <gasps> like, ooh, you're going to do this to a kid? Like, what else is you going to do? Alarmed by the confusion, James takes Sydney away, leaving C in the house alone, which is exactly what Adrian has been trying to do this entire time. Like, C has not been trying to be anywhere by herself. Smartly, pause, C has an I know what you did last summer moment in the living room. Did you guys catch this? Mm-hmm. So she's in the, she was like, you punch a little girl? I'm right here. Come get me. She says something like that, but it's kind of like the, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Mo- <laughs> I don't know what you did last summer. I wish summer. somebody could have seen this. <laughs> like, I'm the only person that, that just got to see that little movie there. So no, funny. because it's like when you quote that line, you got to spread your arms out and just say it with your chest. You, if you ain't going to do it, don't do it at all, honey. I think that was the beginning of her starting to see like all right you want to play let's play yeah i know i'm not I think crazy that was that moment. i think when she was sitting there she was like all right bet bet so doing that she gets some coffee grounds and bj i know you was upset all right pieces of coffee grounds she pours them all over her bedroom floor just so obviously it's kind of like a paranormal activity not maybe not but you know in the scene of paranormal activity where they lay the baby powder on the floor trying to catch the footsteps mm-hmm. She sits on the other side of the room and she's just staring like, and I, some part of me believes that Adrian is standing right there staring at her too, listening to her, ask him like, why me? Like, 
you can literally have anybody and you want to torment me like it's wild that she knows how to like catch a ghost or something but yeah. can't put out a fire oh. <laughs> <laughs> like she knows get coffee grounds <laughs> having a well uh, you just busted my intro line i was gonna say having my a bad. stroke of genius but she crawls over to the other side of her room, grabs the phone, calls Adrian's number, and hears vibrating. See, she zeroes in and realizes that the vibrating is coming from upstairs in the attic. And you know what? I don't know, like, how she felt like it was okay because, you know, when I get scared to move, I just don't move until I know the coast is clear. But I guess she got that vibe. She got the ladder that she bought James, got into the attic, Goes into the corner, she's looking around, and she finds Adrian's phone with the photos, keys, and I have a theory about these keys, but I might be wrong, so just hold that, because I was really trying to figure out whose keys would be, yeah. Her portfolio that was missing from the interview, and a knife. I have something about this knife, too. That she also takes out the Ziploc bag and puts her prints on, but that's part of what I get. The phone rings again, meaning that somebody else is calling the phone and texting it. Well, not calling and texting, but somebody else is texting the phone. When she picks it up, it says, surprise. And also here, if you notice, the wallpaper is the same wallpaper on the computer, which is the same hexagon print as the suit. <laughs> See, she annoyed me. I wouldn't have went in the attic, but that's just me. Oh, guys, sorry. She was charged up, y'all. She was, but so sorry. At this point, you should have taken four shots. So sorry. Four sips. Um, that yes, sorry. I forgot. My bad. It's okay. <laughs> What's it called? A sudden death. There we go. Four shots. Sudden death. Let's go. After making this discovery, inching towards the opening of the attic, she instinctively splashes paint over the hole, revealing him he's right there it's not like he's in the middle of the ladder no his head is face to face to her is almost no matter how many times i see this movie i love it yes in the trailers and all it's just that part is tight no i got two things once again it made sense that they had paint Mm because we seen earlier they were painting the house it's drop sheets everywhere all over the furniture it's just perfectly done it's nothing and i'm very happy that it was white paint can you imagine if it was like a bright color? <laughs> like <Yeah>. bright red. <laughs> so, I have a problem with the paint. Uh-oh. What's wrong with the paint? It looked like milk. It did look mad, like runny. Like once she got down the ladder and you see it at the bottom of the ladder, it looked like milk. And then again, when she gets to the sink, it looks like milk. Yep, you're dripping in the sink. I did look. I was like, why is the texture of this paint not painty? This is it weird. Was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I don't know. I was yeah. like, I guess I only work with children's craft paint. So, I mean, it works for me. Like, <laughs> it's watery. But I guess, like I said, children craft paint, home paint, different textures. But, Johnny, I wanted to ask, this being your first time, how did you feel about that reveal? About the paint splatter? Mm-hmm. I thought that was nice. That was dope. I like that. You did? Yeah. Did it, like, did you have, like, a reaction to it? Um, I said, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Right? 
Okay, so she struggles to um, follow him because she hear, we hear his footsteps take off. We don't know where he's going, but his footsteps take off. She, I'm sorry, but this part was funny when her legs was dangling out the attic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Y'all probably wasn't paying attention, but I noticed it. It was kind of funny. Anyway, they get to the kitchen. We see that Adrian has obviously rinsed himself up. And somehow. Some, I mean. Well, not somehow, but just. Them footsteps in, was going. Nah, because so. he was invisible. So I was trying to imagine how was he like washing his. I mean, but he know where he at. I know, but I'm like, oh, how does he see it? Did, did he like get in the sink? Like, did oh, he put his hand under the sink? Oh, is like, it a nozzle that like open? Like, like what? Did he jump in and like was he dancing <laughs> and stuff? Like, did he really? Was he really arrogant? Right. But also, the water wasn't on that long. Couldn't have been right. No, because you you saw. Well, actually, you heard when it, the water cut on because mm-hmm, she was standing in the living room when the water cut on. Mm-hmm. So it was like how he rinsed off his whole self that fast. Again, stuff dripped off, but right. ain't no way. As this happens, Adrian chokes her up. Like she grabs a knife, like, you know, she, she arms herself, but he chokes her up. Somehow gets the knife out of her hand and we get one of the best fights I have seen. Now, mind you, she can only fight, like, within, like, arm's range of her, because I guess that would be, like, the most accurate aim, accurate choice for you to do. But watching the behind the scenes of this is amazing. Watching her stunt double do some of these scenes, which she, Elizabeth Moss, did majority of this, but her stunt double is hard. Yeah. Yeah, like, that whole flying off the table and all of that. That scene kind of reminded me of Mm-hmm. Now that I revisited Upgrade as well, mm-hmm. it looked about the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we kind of see he's getting his little style. So now I wonder, because I hear, and I was going to save this for later. Well, I still can. The next movie he's supposed to be working on might not be the next one that drops, but I wonder, is there going to be like a shift in style or is he going to slightly incorporate that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when does it become too much? It's not too much in this movie. I love it, but... You get what I'm saying. I don't know if it does. Like, I feel like if it's done well. It's good because, ooh, this scene coming up and it gets used. I love it. (laughs) Escaping the battle, CC captured on home video. Oh, my God. That run across the yard. Mm -hmm. She catches up with a Lyft or Uber driver. I think it's a Lyft. Doesn't matter. It's the same thing. And heads back to Adrian's mansion. I didn't know if she was going to make it because this Lyft driver... Took the most turns to get out of wherever. It was, oh. <laughs> I feel like every time we get in the car, everybody wants to take their sweet-ass time. <laughs> like, what? Next time I watch it, I want to look at the time. Like, I want to really see the last time I saw it, the clock, because I feel like when she got to the mansion, it was like morning time, right? Yeah. So I'm like, how far was it? to drive well they say that she says um can you take me to stinson beach and he's like that's a far drive Mm, away yeah 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 so but i can't help but wonder how far yeah because now you know that raises a good question that we could talk about later and i'll see if you know what i'm talking about that raises a very good question so once they finally get to adrian's mansion she asked the driver to wait for her she was like you know i might be two minutes i might be 20 just you know hold me down she walks up to the house. She enters the code 4883. Yes, I was hawk-eyed. He still hasn't changed the codes, which is the point. 
we get more ghost drapes in this house and they use them very well like i like it because you just don't know where to look like you're like oh what's that oh it's just furniture whatever we also catch up with zeus and we notice if you're paying attention zeus looks healthy so obviously if adrian's been dead it's been two weeks and probably a little bit longer at this point zeus shouldn't look like that somebody's been feeding that dog so anyway she goes down to the lab and she notices the same little open area she noticed before when she was escaping she walks up to it and she enters the code which happens to be their anniversary date 12 14 2017 once inside the chamber we eventually learn this is where the invisible suit is so what it is she's facing the suit there's an iPad on her left. When she looks to her left, she should be looking at herself, but instead she's seeing herself look to the left. So she's like, okay, well, how am I getting this view? You guys see what I'm saying? So she does something on the iPad and she deactivates the suit. And that's when we see the whole suit come to form. And it is so fucking cool. That's, that's that. That science and tech vibe of the film. It didn't set off your your phobia, the um trypophobia. Yeah, it doesn't. I can see how it does, but this one doesn't. I think with that, it's more like when I see it on certain surfaces. Like if I see it on skin, like, whoo, I don't like that. But that one didn't bother me. But I heard a lot of people did mention that, so that was like a really good one there. Yeah, it looked kind of creepy. Yeah, but it didn't bother me. But I, I think was, I liked it because it was sleek. Like, it was a very sleek design. I could get with it. It looked like a phone commercial. Like, this is what the iPhone is going to look like mm -hmm. in a couple of years with, like, all the cameras. For <laughs> me, I was trying to figure out what the hell this dude looked like. Like, what does this suit look like? From, because when they threw the paint on him, mm -hmm. when they threw the paint on him upstairs, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to see, like, him in the suit from that moment on. They kind of show you when, before he ducks oh, out. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, wait, are you talking about with the paint on the suit? Or what does the suit look like with him just walking? Well, I like guess... Like, visible, like, with the cameras, just him, like, just normal day at the office. I guess with it as the focus of the scene. Because, like, when we saw it in the beginning of the movie, the suits lined up. Oh, yeah. Okay, got like you. You want to see, up. like, somebody walk up to it and... Okay, got you, the got you, got you. The suit, I put it like Mm-hmm. Got you, got you. Oh, I guess I don't have to explain how the suit works. Everybody's clear here. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down just in case nobody understood, but I guess I could explain it. Well, also, going back to the way that the house looked, now that I, when I, I put the note that when I finally saw it in the daylight, I couldn't date anybody who lived in a fortress like that. Like, if you can't get in, you can't get out. Mm. Yeah. Man. I mean, I'm not going to stand. I like that style, but we're going to have to talk about that. It's curious. <laughs> I mean, it's not, just not the wall. Yeah, just not the wall. The house is beautiful. Yeah, like the style of house was cute, but I mean, like the whole fortress aspect of it yeah. on the outside, mm -hmm. like that whole barrier, that was too much for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Zeus begins to bark, alarming CC that it's time to move out, like you got to bounce out. She leaves the lab and goes into her closet, which I didn't mention this earlier. When CC was escaping, there's like a small little closet in their closet that she like kept her go bag in. So she goes and stashes the suit in there and then she hides 
Adrian hears her. Actually, you know what? I have a theory about this. I actually think it's Tom. I don't think it's Adrian because check this out. If it was Adrian, Zeus wouldn't have barked like that. Mm. Zeus was kind of aggressive with that bark. And then when you think about it, when um, C comes out the closet and he begins to attack her, Tom, Zeus attacks him. Zeus wouldn't have attacked Adrian. Why do you think that would be Tom? Like, because he's not used to you. Where do you think Adrian is? Because some people be trying to say, how the hell did Adrian get back to the house if he was the one that attacked her at Jane's house and she left? Because they was like, it ain't no way in hell he got in the lift with her, even though I would love to see his point of view. Like, that would have been lit. So, but I'll, I'll give the example when you get to the, a later scene. But it's, it's kind of given that they can't be in two places at once. That they can't? Yeah, they can't. Okay, but I think that that's Tom. I think it's Tom, too. I think it's Tom, because there's no way that it's Adrian. And once you know, and bringing up what you said earlier, BJ, that you wanted to see the suits, when we go down in the lab and we see, we see his four suits right there. So why is Tom there that day? I just think this is probably what happened and this like, is some is just random news? No. No. So I think he probably called her and said she yep. hopped in the lift. Mm-hmm. He called Tom and said she hopped in the lift. She probably headed to the house, go check to see if she's there. And then probably check the cameras when she got in there and was like, yo, she's there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Spoke my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thanks to Zeus attacking Tom, <laughs> she is able to run back for her lift calls her sister Emily to meet her in the public place. At this point, we don't know it's Emily, but it's Emily. The Lyft driver the whole time was like, what the fuck did this bitch get me into? Like, I mean, yes, she done told me to wait. It was a valid question. Like, a valid okay. question at that point. Like, what is happening? <laughs> okay, like, I'm like, this poor man, he's just trying to get paid. Mm-hmm. At the restaurant, this restaurant is noise. Um, and I like, oh my goodness, I like the sound design in this movie, but specifically at this part when we're outside and it sounds like we're outside of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then as it zooms into the window, it like the sound changes and now we're inside. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's take a <laughs> shot every time I do that. It's been about four at that's this the point. Next game. <laughs> yeah, that's the next one. You guys are gonna be lit. Take a note that CC isn't even dressed. She's still in a sweatshirt and sweatpants. Like, she looks tired compared to everybody else. This is a fancy-ass restaurant. I don't even know how she got in with the dress code. Like, Shea Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, whew. Emily is being so rude to the poor waiter, Taylor. I just don't get this part either, man. <gasps> I like, was like, why? Why was she so upset? Yeah, I'm like, okay, like, you know, I get you. You know, your sister is vulnerable right now. But it wasn't like he was being mean to her. We want the free kind. We know how he this works. ready for him to go away so she can get down to the point so she can go back home. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that could be what it was. Yeah, that could be it. But I'm also say, um, Taylor, shout out to you, honey. You were in a movie for two minutes, and he said, look, I'm about to make this my role. I love that he still acts when he's not even the focal point, because when he's walking away from the table, he, like, rolls his eyes. Like, mm-hmm. it's cute. It's funny. But anyway, 
C starts to profess her admiration towards her sister and apologizes. And it's beautiful. The way she like wraps it around. She was like, you know, when you're on my side, I feel strong. And when you're not on my side, I can feel that fear and it's not comforting, blah, 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 blah. She's buttering Emily up. And finally getting her on her side, Emily is starting to believe her. And all of a sudden, Emily's vision just starts to drift off to her left. C's right. C's like, uh... What's, what are you looking at? And we get one of the biggest shocks I have had in a fucking long time. Emily's throat gets slit in like 0.5 seconds. Like I just didn't even know how else to introduce that. And all of a sudden the knife is back in C's hand. What the fuck just happened? At that point, she was a murderer and lost her freedom. Yeah, that throat slit happened so fast. So fast and... That was the edge. That was it. No pun intended. I think both of them were there. I honestly think that one, it doesn't matter who, one person was holding the knife when Emily saw it. I think he quickly passed it to the next person. Whoever was standing on the side of Emily slit her throat, passed it back to the other person and put it in Cece's hand. And I would love to see that in the invisible suits. Just somehow like to see that happen Mm -hmm. because when you look at it there's no way that one person could have done that but i don't know i think that's just one of the things you ain't never gonna know probably not but anyway it's a very good time it's the first kill we get an hour and 11 minutes into the movie and it is worth the wait somebody notices the fountain of blood pouring all over the table the restaurant goes crazy the sound leaves the room as begins to just lose her shit like she knows at this point like this is fucking it yeah and it's very candy man at this point because if you remember in that movie virginia Matson gets blamed for another murder if you haven't seen that i won't say what it is but it's not too much of a spoiler she gets blamed for a murder and ends up in a treatment center just like c mm-hmm. so in the treatment center They're like holding her down. They're going to get her um, some meds. And while she's fading off, Adrian is standing in the room, of course. And he lets her know by telling her, surprise. (laughs) This is the second time he does that. So hold on to that, guys. The next morning, while being questioned by the police, James included, which would not happen in real life, but whatever. C, knowing Adrian is in the room, doesn't want to tell them how she knows it's him, but she's telling them it's him. Adrian was in the room, so she's like, yeah, like, I'm not gonna. I can't give away my position just yet. <clears throat> I feel like he would know that she knows by now. Though. Yeah. That, but that see, was she, something that threw me off a little bit. She, well, well, see, she didn't want to tell um, about the suit. That she hid the suit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they knew. So, yes, Tom and adrian knew that she had that she knew about the suit mm-hmm. but they didn't know that she took the suit and hit it right and mm-hmm. where she hit it because exactly. if she would have told them yeah i hit it in a crawl space in his house then they would go and move it yeah mm-hmm. gotcha gotcha after this little interview C is told she's pregnant and it had to have happened sometime within the last month remember uh, i'm about to tell y'all in a second just hold on to that 
Meeting with Tom again, Cece is given the bad news that since she committed the, well, you know, committed, quote unquote, the crime of murdering her sister, that the money that she's supposed to be given is now void. And this also means that Sydney's Parsons account is uh, finito. Very upset, C gives Tom the read of his life, calling him the jellyfish version of his brother, everything but the spine. Very good line. Yeah, very. Tom gives her the option to sign a contract to either give up the money or agree to have the baby and go back to Adrian. So now we know that Adrian is alive and Tom's in on it. And that money can buy her freedom back. Exactly. (laughs) Now we don't know. It's something we don't quite know. We know that Tom knows that Adrian is here and he's been setting her up. But there's more to the story. But before we get that far, remember, not Adrian, Cece had been taking birth control pills because she didn't want to get pregnant. Well, guess what? Adrian found out she was taking these birth control pills and switched them out with placebo pills and got her pregnant. Like, he literally knows her every move. Like, that's a lot of control. And when I really stop and think about how vulnerable she is, it really does add a whole nother layer to the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. C even points out, she says, Adrian killed my sister and you helped him. Which which is a very subtle and great foreshadow. <laughs> While she says this, she knocks over Tom's briefcase and she steals a pen and also swipes some putty that just happened to be on the table. That wasn't putty. That was gum. Oh, yeah. That wasn't putty? No, that was gum. That was gum. Oh, I thought that was putty that like sticks to the sticks up to the wall like that I use upstairs on my photos. No? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, it sticks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought it was putty. Later, after an orderly does a routine room check, Cece puts her plan into action. Retrieving the pen attached to the ceiling, she turns on the shower, preparing to slit her wrist, knowing Adrian has to stop her because he wants her and that baby. Like, he got to do something. And I'm thinking, like, how risky is this? But when I watched it this time, she was, she was close, but she wasn't in the right spot because I was really trying to figure out, like, when she keep bleeding like afterwards but she wasn't really that's probably that's probably the scene that i like cringe the most because it's just like you got to be committed to do that yeah, that, that was a very wild scene. yeah you got to be ready almost immediately adrian stops her and she stabs his suit which causes the suit to glitch and it is and yes, that's three shots three drinks go for it <laughs> <laughs> it's uh because it's like it doesn't glitch. They could have been lazy and just made him glitch full suit in and out, in and out. But it's different parts of the suit that glitch. And sometimes it might be like his head and his shoulder and his left foot. And then the next glitch is just like his pinky finger and his right shoulder. Like, ugh, not that exact, but it's perfect. All the commotion in the room catches the attention of a guard. And this shockingly ends when Adrian tases the guard. I don't know if he dies, but... That was a long taste, so maybe, who knows, doesn't matter. <clears throat> we fall into a mini upgrade scene, and it's beautiful. So waves of guards are coming into the hall, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And some of the guards, when we get to them, the stop, well, not stop motion, 
the face motion starts and it just like follows their scene. So like the guard who gets knocked into the window, we have a guard that gets shot in the knee. Oh my God. Woo. <laughs> God. Yeah, I feel like I felt that one. Oh yeah, it's just like, oh. <laughs> And then we get one that, you know, he's like seeing all this stuff happens and Adrian holds a gun up to his face and he gets faked out. He goes, bang. I'm like, that is some scary shit. I probably just would have pissed my hands. He is crazy. Because he then walks around the guy and shoots him from the back. But then the thing is, if you watch the gun, like he literally turns the gun like under. It's not like he turns around and shoots him with the gun up. Like he literally is crazy. So anyway, running out the emergency exit, Cece is in hot pursuit. I don't know how these security guards and the people at the front desk didn't see this glitching ass suit running out this door, but they definitely tried to stop Cece. They don't. We get outside, it's stormy. And it's a car scene, you know, we ditching and dodging through cars. C appears next to this trunk. And of course, Adrian is there. He hems her up. And he tells her he's not going to hurt her because of the child that she holds. And and since she thinks she's slick and thinks she knows his game, he's going to go hurt Sydney. Oh, shit. We can't have this happen. A security guard comes out of the woodwork and does not do his job at all because Adrian handles him with no problem. Also, not the security guard trying to tell Cece not to go nowhere while he's on the ground bleeding out. Like, <laughs> sir, you have bigger problems. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, a lot of people try to point out, like, well, he's leaving all of these people who seen him. But at this point, I don't think Adrian cares, like. At this point, it is what it is. He always, well, I can't, I don't want to go any further. But, yeah, he, he was ready to, to cash out. I'll put it like that. Mm-hmm. I think he had his fun at this point. Number two. <laughs> Adrian almost carries, and I mean Carrie White. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Almost carries Cece, but she shoots at the windshield, causing him to swerve, nearly missing another car that ends up crashing. Quickly thinking, CC GTA's the driver. She really did. Hung up on his girl and everything. Exactly. But before we get to that, there's a little cameo from Billy, the puppet from the Saw movies on the gate. I don't know if you guys saw it, but yeah, he's there. Hi, Billy. After Cece rudely, I know that that man's wife is going to be pissed. She calls James and like, hey, yo, you got to hurry up and get to the house. Sydney is in danger. Fuck how I'm calling you and all of that. I'm not supposed to be in the treatment center, but bring your ass home. Meanwhile, and this is just Black people rule, we lock our doors. So I'm really trying to figure out why the F was this door unlocked. And Adrian just walked on in there. Now my theory, yes, now my theory is the keys that Cecilia found in the ceiling were the keys to the house. But I dropped that theory when I realized we would have seen the keys. Yeah, I mean, or, I mean, he's invisible. Like, he could have unlocked it a long time earlier in the day or something. Could have. I mean, he's invisible. Like, he literally can do what he wants. Because I just, like, I have a hard time believing any African-American is having an unlocked door. Like, that's just not happening. But I do like that explanation. Actually, my boyfriend, a little crazy, but 
be leaving his doors unlocked. What? Oh no. He'd be chilling. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be chilling, chilling. I'm like, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> Something wakes Sydney and she smartly grabs and sprays the mace that her daddy gave her again properly how you introduce things like from that scene earlier we knew she had the mace so it didn't just randomly oh how the hell she gets the mace where did that come from even though you could have said well she's a police policeman's daughter so of course why wouldn't she have mace anyway she sprays it in the right direction that kind of disables who's whoever is in this suit because i actually think both of them are in the house at this point and i'll tell you why once this happens and the one crashes into the dresser, when she runs out of the room, she gets clotheslined. Yep. And there's no way whoever crashed can run back around past her and clothesline her. So it has to be both of them in the house. <clears throat> Just in the nick of time, James arrives before Sydney is choked out. Sydney's shrieking in these shrieks. Like every time I've seen this movie, I cry on this part because I cannot handle her screaming while James is brutally getting the crap beat out of him. Like both of them going at the same time just have my emotions just because James is fighting for his life and it's just like, oh, like, yeah, I mean, like, oh, I mean, yeah, his life, like. It's just so brutal to watch. But Cece stumbles in, and once again, the fire hydrant we seen earlier for the fire pulls that out and sprays the suit, revealing it, and pops four shots up in the shoot. In the shoot. <laughs> we know what you meant. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Stumbling towards her, then falling to the ground, we find out that this is actually Tom. And there's two killers. <laughs> It's so scream. I love this movie. It's like, it's so many horror movies in this one amazing movie. But anyway, we get a small montage of Adrian being found in his basement, all tied up. His makeup is perfect. I'm like, I just want to know how did he black his eyes? Like, did he just sit there? I want to see him like putting black eyeshadow and bruise marks all over him. Like these bruises, speaking of bruises, James bruises. And Sydney's bruises from the attack look good. I don't know, like, the makeup designer on this movie. I didn't look that up, but they look really good. Unconvinced that this was all Tom's doing, Cece explains that this is exactly what Adrian wants out of the situation. Once he manipulated things again, making you feel crazy and making everyone think he's innocent, she's not safe, no matter how much James tries to insist on it. After seeing Sydney's neck bruise in the bed, Cece creates a plan, calling Adrian, agreeing to meet him over dinner. Now, note that this is our first time actually seeing Adrian, like as Adrian and not the Invisible Man, and he is acting. I love. Over... Go ahead. I said I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Over dinner that, if you notice, he once again chooses for her, she tells him, look, I know you want this baby. I know you want me. But I need you to confess to what you've done if you want us to move on, which, time out, bitch, I can't move on from you slitting my sister's throat. Like, I just, anyway, stay with it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, he, he already did confess to it. Basically. By, by acknowledging the fact that there's a baby and all of that. Mm-hmm. He confessed. 
We know she's aiming to get a confession because she's actually wired and James can hear everything that's going on. Also during this scene, we're getting different angles, including, as we saw before, the security cameras we know that are in the house. One of them facing the dining room table. So it's a point of view there. Adrian gets to, you know, doing his fuckboy shit, talking about how he's sorry and it wasn't his fault and blah, 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 blah. And I would burn everything I own. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. burn it. <laughs> Adrian remains that Tom was always behind this, but gives himself away when he starts getting cocky while gaslighting Cece by saying he knows her best and better than anybody. And that shouldn't come as a surprise and he like smiles and everything when he says and i'm like dude you're fucking with her and it's also the third time he says it i just i have a thing with threes the rule of threes in movies i just love it i also wonder like in some alternate universe i know he did it but what if he really didn't do it and tom really did it because you know That's like tom used too. to say like he yeah. used to abuse him and mm-hmm. stuff like that like where's that movie but anyway with silent confirmation, Cecilia almost mirroring the opening scene in the beginning, heads back to the sink, gets herself together. Adrian staring blankly across the table. Now we switch to a camera point of view that we saw earlier. Suddenly an obvious struggle to us, but from the camera's point of view, it looks like he just slits his throat just off rip. A short minute later, C appearing from the bathroom, reacts to the scene, calling 911, freaking out the whole nine. I love it. Beautiful performance. Backs out of the camera, hangs up the phone, total 180. Switch. She was the one who donned the suit and made Adrian slit his throat herself, staging the entire thing. So James, I guess it is one size fits all. It really is. <laughs> yes, you held on to it. Perfect. James rushing in to help Cece, not knowing what's happening. It's met by a seemingly but oddly calm Cece. He asks her if this was ever even an attempt to get him to, you know, confess on tape. And she responds by saying Adrian could have chosen his own fate. She and Zeus in the invisible suit bounce out. And that is the invisible man. I love Aldis's disbelief hurt pissed off face. It's always the same. And it's always so great. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, I mean, you know, you putting him in a compromising position when you think about it. He is a police officer. He knows you just killed this man. But because he's your friend, like, he's letting her walk. I think... Um, and I mean, yeah, we got it on camera and stuff, but blah, blah, blah. I think he's got a lot of good Hollywood moments ahead of him. Oh, yes. I think he's one of those people who somebody's going to write a character around him. You know, I didn't mention earlier that he just recently uh, starred in, Johnny, you just saw this movie, A Night in Miami? Yes, I saw this. How was it? Or how was he? I know how you feel about the movie. (laughs) (laughs) He was good in the movie. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I don't know the way you said it. No, 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 no. She. You would like it. Okay. You would like it. She thinks it's a, well, no, not that she thinks. From her watching it, she says it's one of those movies that's directed towards the male audience. Okay, dig it. Gotcha. <laughs> so about this knife that I said I was going to bring up, I don't think a lot of people realize that she grabbed a knife at the very beginning of the movie before she left the house. So stay with me. 
I think Adrian noticed that missing knife and figured once his plan was set in motion, they would come investigate his house in his death. You know what I mean? They got to investigate, figure out what happened. And since there's a knife missing and then her sister, Emily, also died by a knife, this would be tied together. So now at this point, you could be like, okay, well, obviously those are different knives. Yes. Remember, she also grabs a knife in Jane's house. And then that's the same knife that was in the attic that she puts her fingerprints on again. So regardless of which knife it is, her fingerprints are on both of them. So she can't be blamed either way. It's fucked up. <laughs> so you bet you, you saying she's not gonna get away with it? I think at this point, I think she's, ooh, I didn't even think about that. They still yeah. do have the evidence that her fingerprints are on it. Ooh. I guess we have to find out. Cause see, I, it's kind of hard to contend with video. Right? Yeah. Because, I, I, mean, I mean, okay, when you think about the restaurant video, I don't know how the F you're going to explain that. The video in the house can be explained. Like, mm. it's just as long as she keeps that suit, hush, hush. Because mm. if they see that suit, that's it. Well, <laughs> my friends, for the one... And final time of Bye Bye 2020, we actually got shit up in the souvenir shop. So let's bounce out. Y'all ready? <laughs> let's go. All right. It seems you survived. Well, before you go, join us in the souvenir shop. The first thing I want to bring up, I thought this was the coolest thing. Now, I don't remember if I knew this or not because my phone has always been on this setting. But on Twitter... You know, um, a lot of hashtags, they'll have like a little sticker. I don't know the correct term, so don't try to uh, come for me. When you do a hashtag and there's like a sticker after, after it, like mm -hmm. Black is King had like that beautiful heart. Like mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So when the Invisible Man dropped, if you were on Twitter and you had on light mode, when you uh, typed in, excuse me, the hashtag the Invisible Man, there's a blank spot after and it just looks like a blank spot but if you're in dark mode you can see that it's like the handprint that's on the movie posters and all of that and i just thought that was so cool Smart. but this was right when twitter um i think this was when they were trying to push dark mode a little bit more like because i know my phone was already on dark mode at that point yeah all dark everything that's really brilliant yeah i like that just marketing like that so we can move on to the posters because, as you know, I never really explained this part. The reason why I like to point out horror movie posters is because when I was younger, I would always see the posters and I would be like, oh, I wonder what that movie's about. Like seeing posters like Sleepaway Camp or um, Ghoulies with the thing coming out the toilet. Like you just seeing this stuff and you just like, like even Silent Night, Deadly Night with Santa Claus arm coming out the chimney holding the axe. You just like, whoa, what the fuck is this? And I feel like as horror movies have progressed into the newer years, we don't really get a lot of good movie posters that really capture that essence. We get either floating heads with a lot of pretty people or, I don't know, just some basic stuff. But anyway, here's a few posters I like. I won't uh, too much dwell on the popular ones. I kind of want to talk about a few random ones I found. One I found, it is a silhouette of a man's head. I guess we can assume this is Adrian. 
And it's the scene of sea outside on the porch when she's like breathing and we see the air. I'm going to post these all on our IG so you guys can all see these. So I know I'm very lukewarm when describing it. You can't visualize it, but it's cool. This one's pretty cute. It seems like a... It's like the title is kind of where his... Where his breath would be. Where his third eye would be, really. Yeah. Another one that I like pretty well is raining outside. So it's kind of like that scene from the treatment center outside, but it's obviously daytime. There's a silhouette. You can't see the feet, but you just see the shadow of the silhouette, I guess is how I can describe it. And it has the movie's tagline, what you can't see can hurt you. There's a bunch of other ones. I'm going to post all of these on our IG page, D180. Oh, wait, before we go, because I just scrolled across this beautiful one. You want to take a stab at describing it since you're sitting here? I mean, I, yeah, I can. You know, you got the house from um, Adrian's the, house. The compound. Then you got the suit kind of on top of the compound, but the suit has the hand extended. And through the hand is actually an image of like, I guess, the moon and the night sky and uh at the top it says what you can't see can hurt you which is the tagline again so almost like a like a half a half once you kind of realize what that house means to elizabeth moss you can kind of see like this is actually a terrifying cover yeah i really dig this cover i think this is going to be like the first one that we post this one had a very very short theater run so, you know, I talked about the previous movie, The Mummy in the Dark Universe, and how that did. This movie only went to the theaters on a $8 million budget. And it came out last year, right? Mm-hmm. But in the box office, it got $143.2 And this was when it got cut. Mm-hmm. This I don't think this is counting, like... DVD and streaming. I think this is just the theater. And once again, that's that Bloomhouse model. Super cheap budget, hella money on a return. It's simple math. The Invisible Man is rated a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 72% on Metacritic. Miss mm. Janae, yeah. do you rate The Invisible Man? So I gave it a 79. Woohoo, 79. Okay, go ahead. Hmm. And it's only because I already knew the plot coming into the movie. So like I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I watched Stephanie Sue on um, YouTube and she does true crime mukbangs. And so she, in the middle of the summer last year, she did a whole entire rundown of this movie in a mukbang. And I liked the way she explained it. And I'm like, okay, this probably was a good movie. But I didn't think that I would like it and get the same effect as someone who hadn't seen it. So I was a little skeptical coming in because like I kind of already knew the plot. But because of that, the first half to me wasn't really too enjoyable to watch. For me, it got good once he hit that little girl. And then after that, I was like, okay, it's popping. Mm-hmm. So that's why I give it a 79. BJ, what do you rate The Invisible Man? We'll go ahead and add your rating. Man, I think I'm like, I could comfortably give it an 85. An 85? Comfortably. Yeah. I thought it, it you know, obviously I enjoyed it. I, you can't really um, 
put into words like the anxiety it creates. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, just the way the camera's sitting sometimes. It just it's one of those things that grips you. But I did have a lot of questions after it. Yeah. Know? So yeah. Just a lot of, you know, how did this happen or if this happened and how did that happen type stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, eighty five for me. Obviously, you guys can tell by the way I ran through this movie that I am a fan of this film. I said when it first came out, I wasn't sure because that trailer, I was like, ooh, I don't know about this. I think you just told me the whole movie. I don't know if I want to see this. Yeah, but you was not excited. I was it. not. I was not, not a fan. But when I watched the movie, witnessed it for myself, even seeing the attic scare in the commercial, it still got me. The camera work is beautiful. Music is beautiful. I like all the little winks and nods. We get to horror if you know what you're looking for. And it's obviously no surprise that I'm going to put this movie in the 90s. I'm going to give mm. it a smooth 93. Jesus. Yes, I'm going to give it a smooth okay. 93. Like, literally, I think the only thing that, like, I don't know what would make me give a movie, like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's movies out there, as far as I go, that warrant, like, 95, 100s. But with this movie, I think the only thing that um, knocked it down was them definitely cutting that one scene between Sydney and James. Yeah. Um, ooh, actually, you know, that's really it because everything else that I would have a problem with, I can kind of explain. Like um, CC, and I wanted to bring this up, her not taking the phone with her in the attic and being like, look, I got these pictures of him taking pictures of me and Sydney, like, yeah, she really could have did that. She yeah, could have done that, but in the midst of everything going on, she just got beat up and all of that. She wasn't thinking about that damn phone. Like, you but know. Even if she took that to the police, though, they still would be like, lady. You got to try. I mean, I got a tripod up, with a self timer. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, a lot of things can be written off. It just depends, you know. So, yeah. 93, that's my rating. That's how this going to go. <laughs> it was an enjoyable movie, though. It was good. It was. Once the little girl got hit in the face. Janae, <laughs> you was, woke up and chose violence. That was the beginning of the movie for you. <laughs> that was the beginning of the movie for me because that's when the action started. <laughs> well, that was our fifth and final movie for Bye Bye 2020. And as we guys have been telling you for, I think, the last two weeks, you know, February is around the corner. We're going to be going into a new theme. Okay, so what's, what's the new theme? Okay, so it's February, right? I believe so. <laughs> it's love is in the scare. Mm. Like love is in the air. I got love you. Love is in the scare. Around. <laughs> <laughs> oh so so anyway, I know I can't help it. I'm just um I'm in a really good mood right now. Mm -hmm. Our first movie is gonna be 2001's Valentine. I have not seen this movie yet. I've heard about it and I've seen pictures, but I know nothing about this movie. You guys know that's my style. I like to go in blind, so. I'm definitely excited for this one. Johnny, what you thinking? I haven't seen it either. So we're both going in blind. <laughs> BJ won't be here with us next week, but as a courteous Well, I just person, won't be on the show, but I'll be around. Yeah, he'll hopefully. be around somewhere, maybe <laughs> down the hall. But right. BJ, before we want to go, is it uh, any way you want our fans to connect with you? Like you can plug your IG or your show? Yeah, hit me on Instagram at Brian's World Live. That's pretty much where I've been at recently mm -hmm. i don't know why i just like scrolling on instagram um but yeah and you can also hit me on twitter as well at brian james live and then if you're in the baltimore area i'll be on the radio on the weekends 92q 
And uh, we've got a podcast, too, Brian's World Life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we tagged that if you go to last week's episode on The Dark and the Wicked, you can find his show tagged in the show notes. Yeah. Lifestyle talk and just um, pretty much just my experiences and the lessons that I learned from them and then put them in podcast form. So, yeah. So, next time when you link up with us at the park, be ready. 2001's Valentine. And that's it, y'all. We'll see y'all in the park next time. Peace out. Peace out. (laughs) Peace out.